0: I'm just like blast the door open. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. yes, Come thank you. Here, Do bro. giant things like you're a giant, <laughs> you're a giant, dude. There you know, no that's one's the quote like, of the episode. No one's bro, no just
1: a way that's a triple play. New episodes, I can way. Open your mind at the first gate. Press play, no need to debate. AOA, check me out. Clock in, you can catch the hype. Go
2: down, we followed it light? Anime like life.
0: What is going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages, welcome back to the AOA Show. I'm your host, as always, Ian, along with my boys, Isaiah.
2: Yo, yo, yo. And.
0: Gavin. Oh,
1: what's goody with it?
0: <laughs> and today we are here to talk about none other than Tower of God. We are currently on season two of the Webtoon. What are the uh,
2: episodes we're covering today, Isaiah? 125 to 139. 125 mm. to
0: 139. Quite a bit of chapters that we uh, that we covered in this live stream. It's a lot of fun. If you haven't seen that live stream yet, I highly recommend that you go check that out. A lot of fun, a lot of laughs, pretty crazy stuff going on. And we're here to discuss it today. But more importantly, to give like a deep dive analysis on What we interpret from these things, what theories we may have gotten wrong or right in this, um, which is an interesting one, and what theories we now hold for the future, all that kind of stuff. But you guys know the drill. If you guys enjoyed the content today, make sure you guys are liking, subscribing, hitting that notification bell, Mm -hmm. sharing with your friends, and commenting your thoughts down below. What did you think of our discussion? What did you think of the chapters that we discussed? And what are your thoughts on Tower of God as a whole? You could also refer to the description where we have links to our Discord, Patreon page, as well as our merch shop if you want to hit us up on those to support the channel. We also have our social media there as well. And I'm missing something. What am I missing here? What am I missing? Talk to me. Discord. Discord? What have I got? Discord? I said Discord. I said Discord.
2: Oh, I got to be merch honest, shop. I was not we got
0: a merch shop. Um. <laughs> I feel like I'm missing something hmm gavin tell me what am i missing um you're missing the love from your
1: mother and father
0: yes that's what we're missing today <laughs> and those daily uploads <laughs> so that's what we're missing as well <laughs> <See>, the <that's laughs> you jolt your memory and then you got yeah, it yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely no i'm just playing games guys but you guys know the drill we're gonna hop right into this discussion right now so the first topic uh compiled by the lovely folks in our discord server oh let's get a
1: look at her right now. is
0: uh the one the only <sighs> pop idol singer of the tower that we know of so far (laughs) and that is you're so we were wrong (laughs) uh we were pretty wrong on our assumptions um of who she was Mm -hmm. and to be fair as much as we were kind of tossing it in the air it was like honestly dude i could totally see if it was her you know um because they definitely threw in a lot of things that were you know a lot of mannerisms things like the, the way she dressed her affinity to bam, all this kind of stuff reminiscent of Yuri in a sense with the whole undercover, everything like that. Um, so yeah. I wouldn't blame anyone if they, it was thought. just
2: like a lot of things that I think lined up too close together. Like we just got in the last couple chapters kicked off the whole, uh, Yuri is going to get on the hell train to go see bam. And then like immediately after that, it shifts into this woman who has Yuri's exact last name. And let's be real. If she had the exact same hair color, probably fits Yuri's build. Mm. Um, who just quit her job that she supposedly just boosting in popularity from all because all she cares about now is getting on the hell train because and because she knows Bam, like that's like three out of four things <laughs> yeah, all line yeah. up to exactly what Yuri just said she was gonna do. So it was mm-hmm. like, I don't know, but yeah, yeah but you can't win them all.
0: You know what's crazy? Obviously, here that you know Yuri is a is one of the fan favorites amongst us here, and not only did we guess wrong that this woman may have an affinity to Yuri or be Yuri herself, but she actually is in with Rachel. She's thought, which, which is like the worst case scenario that shame. we could possibly imagine
2: such potential. So
0: what are her thoughts on that? Because she seems to be in this weird place of longing of she doesn't feel that she is fulfilled, in any way, shape, or form, at least from the minor flashbacks that we receive from her, she has all this fame, she has mm-hmm. all this attention, but it means nothing. Mm-hmm. It means nothing to her. So eventually Emily hits her up one day, I guess through Rachel or something, yeah. and says, hey, you want to board this hell train? This is, wh- this is where <laughs> all, everything you've been looking for is here. Everything you've been looking for is here, and Rachel, I guess, mm-hmm. is your savior. So now she has been tasked with disposing of Bam, and stalling everyone so that, you know, Rachel and gang can get on the hell train and not only get on, but steal it. <laughs> yeah. So the tickets are rendered useless. So what do we think about that? Why why do we think that she feels a lack of fulfillment? Why do you think that she's clung to Rachel? I don't know. What are your thoughts? Uh,
1: if I'm being honest here, she just needs a little piece of bam, dude. I feel like she's just lost in life. And until she meets that special someone, then it's going to just put her right back on track. She's confused. She's not making the right decisions. Obviously, we don't know her or her motives in a sense, in terms of what her actual goal is on the hell train that was alluded to. Like until we get that information, like we don't know her reasoning and whether it's bad or not. And I hate to tell you, it's probably gonna be something like actually garbage where I'm like, just literally just suck off bam and call it a day. Like, come on, like be a Yuri stan and just accept him and just help him because you are literally working with a snake. And if you don't see that then girl, you're confused and you just you need to get back on, you need to get back on the gloryhood path, which is bam. That's all I've got to say about her.
0: Do you have uh, any thoughts?
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I actually, in, you know, if I was to like literally chop up your sentence and take like two words out of it, somewhat agree with, with words that were spoken out of your mouth in that I think she's confused. I think that Yura is somebody who, you know, whether it was from a young age or whether it was, like, a decision she made that, like, at the time she was like, yeah, I want to do this, and now things turned out, uh, did not turn out well. Um, As in, yes, she's become an idol and she's gained this uh, popularity and stuff, but I don't actually think she wants it. I mean, Mm -hmm. again, we have just, I feel like just started to see the scope of her character in terms of who she really is, but I think a scene that we got even earlier uh, was very telling, which was when she was in her dressing room by herself and she was, like, I guess getting ready to leave to go to the tournament or get on the Hell Train. Um, and she was lamenting about how much she hates, like, the fans. Um, that, coupled with the scene we get later, um, where she's quite, li- quite literally willing to burn the hands of one. Um, I don't really think she's cut out to do this idol thing. I don't. And I, but I, and I think she thought she did. And so I think, it, you know, something we'll talk about later in this episode the promise or potential promise that is made to her of something she could obtain by siding with Rachel was enough to sway her and be like, you know what? I think this girl knows what, her, what she's talking about. And obviously uh, Yura doesn't know Rachel like we know Rachel, right? Doesn't know what she's capable of, doesn't know who or what she's willing to step on or step over in order to get ahead. Um, but I think with Yura being in that sort of m- mindset and moment that she was in, Coupled with a message from Emily about, like, oh, I know what you really want. Because again, there's another panel that alludes to or alluded to this moment that Yura was sort of in, like, this pure, like, mountain of desperation, right? Where she was, like, on the floor, she's crying. She's like, I don't need fame. I don't need money. Well, like, none of this. Family. I don't need, all I need is this one thing. And, like, before she says it, Emily responds with, like, yeah, I know exactly what you want, but you're going to have to get on the hell chain with me. Now we know that Emily is being manipulated by Rachel and, and crew. So everything from, from, last chapter on where that Emily says now I feel like, you know, has to be taken with a grain of salt mm-hmm. because Emily's effectively a, a bad guy now or being used in to, you know, to deceive people. Um, but I don't actually think like Yura is like a, you know, to her core corrupt like piece of shit. I think she's just a woman who uh, had a bad role at life and like Rachel and, and and or Emily have given her this idea or this illusion that like, hey, if you do this, um, you're like – can get but You can get what you want. You can get the one thing you want, which again, you know, we'll get into later, but seems to be basically essentially a restart or, or, or you know, something that she wants undone. Um, I just think, you know, it's unfortunate because this is, these are exactly, it's funny because I, w- I would, I would think in my head, I'm like, okay, well, why don't you get people who are just super evil, right? And like super fucked up and corrupt um, because they don't work, right? They're not as desperate and they're not as willing to do whatever it takes like somebody, you know, if I am right. Like Yura, right. That's, these are the kinds of people that Rachel needs because these are the people she can prey on. These are the people who have these deep seated insecurities and doubts that Rachel can then take and be like, oh, okay, this is how you feel. I can use that now against you. Right. Instead of somebody who's, you know, let's just say like a Daniel who might just be like some crazy psychopath who's like, no, I don't really care what you like you're saying. I'm just want to fuck around and like kill the, you know, whatever. Um, because those people are harder for her to keep in a bubble. They're harder for her to contain. They're harder for her to control because, you know, we know that Rachel doesn't actually have any powers. Her powers sort of start and, and stop at, like, manipulation and being able to use and, and you know, uh the the sort of resourceful mindset. So I think, unfortunately, Yura is just in, you know, she's just in a bad situation.
0: Yeah, I guess time will tell. Uh So the next topic that we wanted to talk about was the boy Bam. And... If he is easily manipulated or not, I believe was the question posed Correct. by the folks in our Discord, uh, especially when it comes to Rachel. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously we go through these panels where Bam kind of just loses his cool, um, just even at the slightest mention of Rachel, uh, especially due to the fact that you're as like, yeah, I can tell you where she is, what she's up to, all that kind of stuff. And Bam is like, yeah, sign me up. But we see that that decision costs Bam um, you know, it, it had consequences, right? Sure. In the sense that the one girl got her hands essentially burned off, which is no small thing, <laughs> um, right off the rip. Uh, and Hannah he almost—I
2: think is her name. Yeah, I think you're going.
0: Um, and they, you know, potentially would have lost that game if he continued and not been able to turn it around. So, what do we think about? Bam's decision to engage in this game, not once, but multiple times, even after seeing the consequences of those actions. And what do we think about Bam when it comes to Rachel specifically or just in general? Do we think Bam is just easily, uh, or, or gullible rather? Do we think he's easily deceived in the general sense or strictly when it comes to Rachel? And, um, you know, what are our thoughts on the, on the scene as a whole? Gavin or Isaiah, what do you got?
2: Uh, uh, so I think that I I think, yes, I, I think to be honest, it's pretty, um, naive or dare I say ignorant of anybody to claim that like, no, Bam's not being, you know, manipulated here. He's totally like logically thinking of a of strategy here and, and knows and understands and is in control of the situation because he's not, even if Bam again had a plan and even if his plan did work, those two things are not the same thing as Bam being in control of the room, right? Understanding the situation and reading the intents because for all intents and purposes, very textbook, he's being played like a fiddle here. Yura knows exactly what Bam wants. Yura, whether Rachel told her or not, knows how much that is worth to Bam because clearly he has no problem using that as leverage to hold against him. And as things worked out, it like it does work. That is, you know, That was the one thing to sort of get under Bam's skin, uh, to sort of make him lose his cool for a minute. And I think, you know, because we were going back and forth for a minute with uh, during the stream about it, where people were like, oh, but you have to understand, like, how much Rachel means to Bam. You have to understand, like, the, the sort of gap in their emotional relationship right now because of the uh, seven, right, or eight years they've been apart. And I get that. I totally do. And I, I get that it's easier to be like, Bam, just don't think about Ra- the fact that, you know, easier said than done. But, but again, it doesn't, that doesn't mean that, like, that's not what's happening here. He is textbook being manipulated by Yura because she is leveraging her knowledge of Rachel, of Rachel's whereabouts over Bam's head. And he uses that and he, or, takes that and sort of runs with it rather than, you know, staying cool and calm and thinking about, okay, well she's using this as leverage to get to me. So clearly this game must be rigged. She clearly must have some sort of strategy. Right. And again, for the way this game plays out, um, like Europe wins, right. She gets away, she gets the information she wants and, and ends up putting them all in the trap. And like, you could argue that it kind of doesn't work because they end up catching up to her and whatever. Um, but in this instance, in the game here, um, I, kind of, I feel like Yura comes out on top because she's able to utilize and she, she's able to control and play the room. She knows wh- wh- where all the pieces are. She knows who wants what, who's trying to do what. And I feel like Bam, unfortunately, again, because of the disconnect that he has um, with Rachel, having not seen her for so long and, and wanting to see her to sort of get that closure, um, does become blindsided when – just when her name is brought up, right? Like I was saying, it would be one thing if like Rachel was behind Hera, right? And it's like, all right, get past me and like you can go talk to Rachel because it's like that. I feel like that's a much stronger, um uh that's a much stronger like influencer, right? It's a much stronger like thing to have at their disposal against Bam. But all she does is mention Rachel's name. She doesn't even tell Bam where Rachel is. She just says Rachel is getting on the hell train. And that was enough to completely throw, you know, almost the game for them and the cost of how to use hands. So I, I think it's definitely naive to be like, Bam is not, you know, he wasn't manipulated. He was just trying to do, you know, whatever. Because he was, he was played, and I don't really think there's any other way to go about it. I do understand the, I guess, counter argument of like, what? Like that's the thing. I don't, I don't like. I'm not like Bam. Like I don't get it, man. I that, but that's what makes me all the more frustrated because as a viewer, reading this and watching, I I know that he's being played, and I know they're doing this to get to him and to see it work, regardless of where his head's at. You know, I I I fuck with Bam. I like Bam. Right? So, that like, seeing him get, like, manipulated, I'm like, ah, like, don't. I don't, I understand what you're going through, but, like, I I, you're just being, they're just doing this to fuck with you, and it just, I hate to see it working. Yeah, no,
0: that's fair. What do you got? So, it's
2: interesting, because I have a bit of a different
1: viewpoint on it, in that I, my, I dip my feet in both ends on it. So, I don't think he was completely manipulated in the fact that he was conscious of what was happening, and that he, so for me, the way I took at it is, he knew that it was a trap, what he was getting into. He was very observant to that matter. However, he was kind of looking past that and really analyzing the situation he was in in trying to, A, get what he wants, because at the end of the day, that's what he is going to put on a top priority, which is what ensued. But he wasn't as blinded to the fact that it was just a fitted rage of just not being able to read the scenario that he was in. So obviously, he was pretty much fighting a brick wall, but he was taking the time to step back and figure out where her weaknesses were. Like, he was creating a strategy within all of that. So in my mind, it wasn't pure manipulation in a sense because he still had a coherent mind on the situation that was going on and was able to develop a plan around it, even though it was quite literally from everybody around him was telling him, this is a stupid idea, you shouldn't even try it. But even though he was manipulated into it, I do have to give him props for being able to turn I guess the not really the best possible outcome but he did turn it in his favor at some end like he got her on the ground she recognized what he did and dipped more or less so it's I have a weird thing where I can understand obviously why he made that decision like he hasn't met anybody or had an interaction with someone who has been in direct correlation or friendly with Rachel this is the first person that he met who's like Rachel I know her I'm her comrade. So. You know, people have brought up Rachel's name, and, you know, he's had his own, uh, like, psychological thoughts about it in terms of, like, what am I going to do when I see her? Like, what do I do with X, Y, Z? Like, trying to figure out, like, how his stance is with her, and now he's finally seeing someone in the flesh who's like, I am with Rachel. I know where she is. I'm not going to tell you. And he hasn't seen her for however many fucking years at this point. Like, of course he's going to jump the gun, and I feel like he knows he, or he feels like he has to. But I also can appreciate the growth to where he was also able to analyze the situation. Even though I don't think it was the best decision that he should have made, it almost fits into his character. In my eyes, his character archetype is the person who is obviously going to go for it no matter what. It just comes down to, is it going to be a blind-fitted rage or you know, whatever, where you're not thinking about the actual situation and stuff is really going awry, or are you still going to pursue those goals, but actually step back and think about the scenario that's going on, which is what I feel he did. Yes, there was consequences. Her hands got burned and uh, tickets were like taken and obviously things didn't end up 100% to plan. But I also feel like he wa- he was trying to calculate something in his mind to make it work and it kind of worked, and it kind of didn't work. So at the end of the day, I feel like he's going to make worse decisions moving forward when it comes to Rachel and that his mental psyche might be more negatively affected by it, and he's going to actually make worse decisions that affect a lot more people negatively. And until he learns from then, is he going to be able to, like, shift his mindset and really just cope with Rachel and everything that's happened? But I'm kind of, like, on both fields of it. Um, I don't know. I, that's that's really just it for me. I guess yeah. You,
0: um. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it was definitely manipulated. Um. And Bam is something I appreciate about him is that he's incredibly battlefield savvy, which mm-hmm. is awesome. Which is kind of play what you said. I love characters that could just like immediately think of something on the fly. Yeah. Like you see it in like your Naruto type thing. It reminds me of when he, f- uh, f- he when he uses the Rasa Shuriken the first time, mm-hmm. and he goes at him like three times or something. But like he finally nails it. It was like something like that, but adapting to it. You see it a lot in Berserk to the character of guts. So like. I love, I love these scenes in general when these things happen because it's like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, they're like, duh. You know, like when he hands her the bomb at that mm-hmm. one point point you just like weren't yeah. expecting that and it seems so simple, things like that. Um, I do think uh, related to the question though, um, he does definitely get manipulated. And again, it's like, I understand. I totally get why. Mm-hmm. Like, I totally get it. <laughs> Rachel's literally the only person, you know, that was with him. Um, when he was at his actual lowest and even though her feelings were fabricated, um, you know, Bam didn't realize that like, it still helped Bam get through that Mm -hmm. time. So whether it was fabricated or not, almost doesn't matter at least at the, in that moment. Um, but it does suck because you know, it's, it does seem like Bam kind of has to fight with one hand behind his back when that happens. And it's like, yeah, Bam definitely made the best out of a, out of a terrible situation. But not—he didn't do that until after he made that worse situation for himself. Mm-hmm. He put himself in there, which yeah. sucks, you know. And it's like I was relating it before, during stream. Um, you know, it's like when you watch a horror movie, you know, and like somebody goes down into the basement. And it's like, dude, don't go in there. You know the killer's in there. Like, stop. You know the killer's in there. Why are you not going down there with a gun or something at least, right? But, like, they do it. And you know they're going to do it. And yeah. you're screaming for them not to do it the yeah. whole time. But they do it. And they get killed. Like, you know, and, like, and that's just what it is. But we lo- in a weird way, like, we love that. Mm-hmm. Because then we wouldn't have the horror film if they were just like, we're just like nope. And they just left the house. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah. So like that's part, that is Bam's kryptonite in yeah. a sense is Rachel. It's the most, and, and it's so relatable in the sense because I'm sure there's somebody out there watching, listening, or maybe someone has gone through it, you know, that you know personally, or, or, or maybe one of you guys yourselves where it's like you have probably had feelings for someone at some point that was incredibly toxic, incredibly toxic for you. You know what I mean? And it was like, Going back yeah. to that person, even though you knew it was the worst possible thing you I could think do. I
2: think my thing for me um, with this situ- scenario is that, like, people were like, oh, well, you understand. Like, like this, this was always going to – like, this had to happen. This had to go down this way. Um, and I think that's where I have the most problem with it because, again, totally get why he did it. It's, like, literally 100% understandable that he would have this feeling. But sure. I do think there's a difference between having that feeling and acting on that feeling. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for – Han Wool, the guy standing next to him here, yeah. um, and arguably Boro and Rack, literally yelling at him multiple True. times, like, yo, what the fuck are you doing? True. Like, snap out of it. She's clearly trying to get to you, and, like, she's, uh, she's kind of, yeah, <laughs> it's working. Um, I think the outcome would have been much worse, and I think so. 100%. As much as I want to be like, well, Bam, I am proud of you for, like, coming up with, like, being adaptable on the fly and mm-hmm. coming up with a winning strategy, again, like, you made the worst strategy, you made true. the worst scenario. And at possible. what cost. Exactly. Too, you know what I mean? That's because had thing. he not done that, honey, you might still have working hands. Yeah. So again, I'm not, and not to, s- I'm not like, you know, bam, what the fuck, but it's like, I do kind of want to penalize bam because it's important. Right. Because like you were saying, this could only potentially, the closer he gets to Rachel, the worse this could get. Right. So it's important that this moment happens, but it's important. He learns from it. It's important yeah. that he gets humbled. And it's important mm-hmm. that he realizes no matter my feelings for Rachel, no matter what I want, Again, this isn't about me anymore. There's yeah. other people that rely and depend on me. And if I fuck up like this, yeah. looking at Han, like other people are, might have to pay yeah. the cost and that's yeah. not fair to them. So mm-hmm. I I agree, you know, I understand what happened, but it's like, I'm upset because I'm upset that it happened because it wasn't the only scenario that could have Sure, happened.
0: yeah, yeah. And it's a shame because it like not warps his character because that is his character. So that's a weird thing to say. But like, you know, where Bam would normally be, okay, let me protect this person at all cost type thing. It was like, yo, like, bear with me here, let me do this type thing, and it's like, that, you know, that was different, like, you know, from Bam, like, it's not like, like, when it comes to Rachel, it sucks, you know, when it was like, yeah, he dives definitely to save, um, what's her name again? Honey, you like, he dives, but, Mm -hmm. like, not before like, she gets a bomb whipped at her hands, you know what I (laughs) mean? It's like, whoa, like, how about we avoid that? (laughs) Best medicine is prevention type thing, you know? So, it sucks, you know, um, and, and you he was, he's blinded by emotion, he's blinded, I but I will say, too, um, and then, you know, and then that'll be my point for it, unless you guys have anything else to say um in general though i think the question was do you think bam is easy is gullible in general i don't i don't i don't think bam is gullible in the general and broad. Whoops, oh wait in the is that was it i don't know i think somebody asked that yeah. where it was like when it comes to rachel or in general
2: oh uh, okay on um, thoughts on her now our theories um okay yeah well it's is bam easy to manipulate especially when rachel is involved
0: yeah yeah so i don't think he's easy to manipulate when rachel is not I, I don't think Bam is easy necessarily to manipulate in that sense, or at least now. I think I think maybe in the beginning of of um, the story, uh, he's definitely you know some would say naive, especially mm-hmm. to the way the tower works. I mean, he's ignorant to it, and not yeah, but you yeah. know it's not his fault. He just would never went to school. He's going to school now, but I do think where he is now barring Rachel, um, I don't think he's easily manipulated. I think he does have his head on his shoulders. He understands what's going on. He knows what he needs to do in order to, you know, help his comrades in order to advance to the tower, achieve his own goals, et cetera. And I don't think he's just going to, like, roll over, um, you know, for, like, somebody, like, giving him, like, a quick, oh, whatever. Um, you know, just in general, my personal takeaway. I do think when it comes to Rachel, though, that's completely reversed.
2: But Yeah, I do feel – I don't want to say – necessarily like easily as in like anybody but i do actually feel like bam i think that uh, hopefully at least that's what this arc is going to teach him because i do actually think up until this point he has been relatively easy to manipulate um like if we look at the fight again with uh mr flex um bam was essentially not able to do anything in that fight until Kuhn got Ryun the hostage out of the picture i think that and again in that scenario like bam knew what was happening Bam knew that Ryun wasn't just, like, up there hanging out. He knew that she was a hostage. He knew why Mr. Flex had her, but that didn't change the fact that all Ruffalo had to do to make sure Bam would keep his distance was have a hostage. And, like, again, m- much like this situation in my mind, frame it whatever way you want, like, that's manipulate, right? He's using Ryun as a way to manipulate Bam into not attacking him because if Bam went all out, he could just throw into in that's front. That's fair. Him I, guess,
0: I guess I was saying more along the lines of gullible, which, I do, which, for me, the way I perceive it is a little different than... Um, than somebody manipulating yeah. which which it is the same thing in a weird that's way well but that's like what i mean I, I don't see him as gullible I agree. but yeah. i do
2: think he can be manipulated because gullible implies that he doesn't know any better about what's happening and manipulated again he no understands the situation he suffers but he's not gonna the good guy exactly you know what it is and that's a what a i mean it, it sucks code, that bam so. has taken the stance that he has because it does leave him open to be like all right dope all we got to do is capture one of his friends okay. and like he's a sitting duck and I th- it's ironic that I think Ryun was the hostage in that situation I use because I think that is one of the hard lessons Ryun has trying to teach him with gathering the new teammates and having expendable players is that, like, look, Bam, you're going to have to make hard calls sometimes. And, like, this stance that you take, if this is the stance you want to take, like, it's going to put people, it's going to put peop- your friends in danger, but it's going to put you in a lot of, you know, easily manipulated uh, situations. Mm. So I, yeah, I don't think he's gullible, but I do think, at least now, he is in a, a stage where, like, he can be manipulated I'll say easier than like some of his other comrades. Like I don't think (laughs) Ran would give a fuck if like he was in that scenario or or you know what I mean. Um, So yeah, that's my piece. Fair enough. Do you have anything? I'd be beating a dead horse, honestly. (laughs) Fair (laughs) enough. All right, (laughs) moving on,
0: guys. Um, so the next one is, can you, um, what's this guy's name? Han again? Wool. Han Wool? Yes. Um, so his character in general, and how was the question framed on the So one?
2: they were, uh, the point here is Han Wool, uh, which is the name, he's Borough's, uh, apprentice, mm-hmm. we, who we meet when we meet them on the, uh, not the hell train, but the, like, pseudo yeah, yeah. train or whatever. Sure. Um, and then basically the question is, um, his MVP moment, which was this moment where he grabs sure. the bomb and just suicide bombs these people. Um, do we think that, like, it, it was sort of a... Big moment for him or a good moment as far as proving his worth because we know that up until now, Boro has always been kind of ripping on him for being a scaredy cat. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is kind of the opposite of a scaredy cat play.
0: Yeah, huge moment for me personally. And I wouldn't consider him... um, Okay, you know what? Maybe he is a scaredy cat, but in a sense, but he's not, right? Like, he kno- he understands, like, even in this panel, he's sweating his ass off. I mean, it might just be because he's running. But, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, he is afraid, but I don't think that makes him a scaredy cat. I think it, it makes him brave because he understands, like, how limited he really is in the scope of things. Um, although you know he puts on a boisterous thing and he puffs <laughs> his chest, but like push comes to shove, he's like, ah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. but in these key situations, and again, like you know, it's it's been said when you are pushed, when your back is against the wall, is when. You re- when your true colors really come out to play, right? Sure. Like that's when somebody truly understands your character. When you are in the lowest situation of the low, and I would consider this a pretty, a pretty, you know, hard one for him. Um, he is clearly outclassed. He has to take the word of a guy that he virtually just met, uh, <laughs> three times after you know. And the first few times on, don't work. Yeah, when <laughs> someone gets their hands blown off and they almost throw the game, and like it's not you know like he doesn't know Bam's relationship with Rachel. He doesn't know any of that. Like he's like. Uh, like I was kind of doubting myself up until this moment. And like, I kind of want to do my, like, uh, sure. You know, like, yeah, I imagine
2: it like a, like if a, a football game or a sports game where it's like, you go in the quarterback's like, all right, check it out. On the other team, they got this girl dude who I've been really get, like I got a feeling and a vibe with. Um, so if we, if I just listen to him, just, I, we gotta do his play. It's a little crazy. We give them the ball for most of the game, but then I'm gonna take it at the last second. I need you to help me out. And yeah. like, I just picture this dude sitting in the back being like, Fuck I don't know this bitch. Like, why am I? Ju- <laughs> this is ridiculous. Like, you know. And I picture. So it's not like, yeah, real. it says a lot that he's like, yeah. all right, fuck it. Let's. Not, yeah, not only that, but
0: it says a lot too that it's like, you know, he, the plan, like, you know, kind of what you were saying with your analogy is like life-threatening in the sense like he could lose his life yeah. doing, doing this. And he's like, all right, like I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. He screams his head off and doing it, and he tries his hardest. And you know, he might not win. I guess it's it's hard to claim a winner in this situation, but like. You understand my point, you know? And it's like, I don't know how much we're going to see this character, but again, SIU really does this amazing thing where he introduces a character that I think is going to be absolutely irrelevant after like three panels and they wind up being relevant. And he's done it so many times and I'm like, how? How yeah. am I liking this character now? I thought this guy was gonna be a one beat thing. He was either gonna be dead or gone in like a second. And nope, here we are. And like, you know, granted, it's like Dan, you know, I always related mm-hmm. back to Dan's character where it's like, okay, he even had more pump-ups, so like you, you kind of assumed he was gonna be relevant, but then once he got stabbed by Rachel and all that stuff, it's like, yeah, oh, yeah, he yeah. might be out. But, like, he's still, and, like, he has these really human moments where he's, like, mm-hmm. talking some sense into, like, Kuhn or whatever. And this is a, a similar example that I feel like even on a larger scale, being that, like, this guy was set up to just be mm-hmm. your average Joe, which yeah. he kind of is. Um, but that makes me feel some sympathies towards him. I don't think he's, like, you know, this is, like, the greatest character ever, like, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I do think it's interesting for the points that I've said, um, you know, where this ca- if this character is going to go anywhere else. Even if he doesn't go anywhere else, if this is where he peaks. It's still pretty cool to yeah. see personally. So yeah.
1: yeah, no, definitely. And it's really just a shout out to S.I.U. because like we say it time or time and time again, but it's like these world this world feels so lived in with the characters that he makes. And it doesn't really matter if they're relevant in the future or not, because you get someone like like Dan who we see him once maybe every like fifteen or twenty chapters, you know? Sure. And even then it's only for a couple panels, but like it doesn't matter because even with this even with this character, like he's gonna introduce him and this is probably the only shining moment we're really going to see of him if not maybe one or two but it doesn't matter because he always references back to them and like even though they're not on screen the reference back is always at a point where they're doing something integral like or integral to like the storyline and that's like supposed to be the key where it's like hey this person is still progressing and this is like behind the scenes you didn't like you haven't seen any of it but like they are still progressing and becoming better people. Because, like, even Rand, when he was running through the maze, like, the last we really knew of him was, could he even run? Because he was, he's like, I can't go at my full potential. And then now we see him from that last point, and he's running through that maze, booking it, trying to get to the other side. And it's like, we didn't need to see anything in between because his character was already set. We know what he's about. You can put him on the back burner. And now when we do see him... It's like he is doing something that's important that plays to his character. We know he still exists and he is still progressing in the story and doing his own like stuff behind the scenes. So you really have to appreciate it when you can build a world like this to where, like, you don't need all the characters that you're introducing. You're just able to kind of like intermingle them with the story to where it's like you give him a shining moment, put him on the back burner. You focus on your other team, which is always getting new people in it, and you're just kind of bouncing back back and forth, like introducing the characters back. And I just think it really just Makes the world feel—it just makes it feel lived in, you know. Like there's other people who are living their outside lives behind the scenes that we don't actually physically see, but they're still there, prevalent, and it's important that they're there. So, you know, I just appreciate it. So it's really nice.
2: Yeah, no, yeah. it's I definitely, uh, you know, share a lot of your guys' uh, sentiments. It's it's cool to see, um, you know, uh, again a character who, you know, when we met him, we're like, oh, yo, Boro, like this man is super dope. And I guess it's Boro's friend, you know, <laughs> and then, like you move on and, and, you know, you, you set up the stage or whatever, you do what you got to do. And then we have this moment where it's like, we're like, again, even when this game started, I was like, all right, cool. So we have Bam as our heavy hitter. We got Rack because we know Rack is, is, you know, can put up um, Boro and that's it, right? I, like I, in my mind immediately doubted that these characters who we either haven't seen a lot of or don't know a lot about or don't look or, you know, don't have potential oozing out of them. But like, potential doesn't always come in the form of, like, somebody perfectly copying the butterfly piercing technique the first time they see it. It could come as simple as, like, I'm going to kind of do a Hail Mary and just run with this bomb at people. And, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, like, seeing all these characters take the moment from, like, side character who exists in the world and, like, does things to, like, I'm going to help the plot advance real quick, you know? And it's, like, it is cool to see, uh, you know, any. It, it's nice to know that any character is capable of having those moments and that it's not delegated to, like, Bam and Bam's immediate outside circle. Mm,
0: totally agree. All right, so moving on, we had Ran, who for, I think, the first time? At least that we've seen. Besides that Guardian thing? Yeah. Kind of got the hurt laid on him here. Like, nothing crazy. He didn't get beaten to a pulp, but, like, he lost. You know, in this it was clearly signified that Ran was weaker than his opponent here at least in my eyes. And this could turn around, maybe Ran could pop a pill, um, you know, and then he could whoop this guy's ass up and down the street, something like that. But at least in the panels that we saw, he was he was not winning that fight um in, you know, some of the other like some of the other ones that he has. Um, you know, it wasn't even like an a knock thing where it was like, you know, pretty right. like neck and neck. And neck. And neck yeah. It was like Rand was at a clear disadvantage here from what we saw in these panels. So what do we think about that uh, for starters? And what do we, you know, think about the the thoughts on the opponents here that are under uh, the leadership of Aka as well, uh, who we thought might have been Karaka, but it turns out is a giant, which we'll get into later. another person. Uh, very interesting, folks. Um, but, yeah, what, what do we think about Ran? What do we think about this? Do we think Ran maybe deserved it? Was he put in his place? Do you think that Ran, you know, would have beaten this guy feel like, push came to shove, he would have found a way? I don't know. What are your thoughts?
2: Um, I definitely like this moment um, because I do believe, you know, or, uh, you know, some of these moments I feel like in Tower God where it's like, what do you guys think happened here? And it's like, well, if you think about it, like, if you really, you know, peel back the layers on these characters, uh, Tower God does that, and it does that a lot, But, uh, but – just as much I feel like it gives you moments where it's like nah X, Y, and Z just happened and I feel like this was one of them and it's like you know like he's, there is no way this moment is Rand's humbling like this is a, supposed to be a moment where Rand, the character who the literal only thing we've seen him do is talk trash <laughs> um, gets a little bit spat back at him and and I think it's I think it's good for Rand because as much as I have talked up, how why i love all the characters that we've met in tower god because of the character flaws and and those and having those things be apparent because that makes them feel human um as a viewer reader something that's nice to experience is those people overcome said flaws but you can't overcome a flaw that you don't even know that you have or or you can't that you don't recognize as one so if ran doesn't even see himself as arrogant how is he supposed to fix that so i this moment is i think definitely needed for someone like ran um because uh uh, Moon Moontari, I believe is, is the guy's name. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, has a line where he sort of spits it to him straight. And he's like, look, dude, I'm going to be honest. Like, I could fuck you up, but, like, I'm kind of low tier, bro, when it comes to the people you're going to be in the hell train. Like, if you think you're getting on the hell train, you're just going to be another corpse. Like, he's like, because there's people on there who will literally spit at you and kill you. <laughs> and it's like, so, you know. Uh, which is effectively the lesson, like, look, kid, you got to stop, like, coming up here and, and yelling at everybody because and clapping at people because somebody might clap back and that person might kill you. Yeah. They're not going to give you the chance to, like, realize that you're weaker and run away. So I think it's good, and obviously Ran is not somebody who will take this lesson well. Um, because he, no, doesn't, he ha- doesn't. He's, he's still ha- steady he, exactly. talking shit the yeah, entire yeah. time. He, um, yeah, I, I would say it's argue, There's an argument made if he's even learned the lesson <laughs> yet. Um, but nonetheless, this is his first, like, sort of, you know, exposure to it, um, and I... Would like to see obviously more of this, and I would like to obviously see him eventually, you know, sort of come to terms and and, and confront this of like, mm-hmm. all right, I got it. even if it's in like the ran way of not being like, oh, what have I done, but being like, ah, oh, what like whatever about it, um, yeah, but I, I definitely do like this moment, and I I like this team, you know, the team, AKA's team here because. At first, when we meet Moontari, the way he comes off, like, when he's talking to Bam and Boro, is that, like, you know, sleaziest of the sleazy, right? He's, like, literally this, like, blue dude in the corner who's like, hey, hey, what you guys doing? You, uh, why don't you come over on, on Aka's team? Akka got cookies. <laughs> um, and you're like, no, thank you, sir. No, I don't want any <laughs> of that. Um, but in these chapters, I think we do learn that at the very least, um, it's not as simple as that. And there's a little bit of complexity going on here. And we learn eventually, once we meet Aka and we find out sort of the Boro-Aka relationship, um that it, you know, that these characters are just people, you know, and they have a different viewpoint and that's what separated them from people like Boro. Um, but that they're not just like thugs walking around slapping people in the face like just to slap people in the face. They're, you know, they just have a different way of thinking or, or, or doing things, whatever, than let's say somebody like Boro did. And whether they've all been up and down the Hell Train experience a couple times like Boro has. I almost see this as like, you know, Moontari obviously being like, Look, dude, I could have killed you now, but like, like remember this moment. I want you to learn, you know what I mean? Like in a weird way, like he's teaching him, you know? Yeah. He's like, give it this is a lesson. And and so I I'm like, okay, okay. You know, they're not just dicks. Like, you know what I mean? They are out here trying to be like, look, if you if you say who you say you are and you think you can do what you think you can do, like prove it to me, you know? So I like it.
0: Yeah. I think it's funny because if there's one thing I've learned through reading this story and especially in the second season and especially in just this arc it's that not one person you should ever sleep on you should never sleep on anyone if their character design looks whack if you like if you see them being all sleazy like there are just these characters that come out of left field and again you know what was Muntari like isn't the strongest like we kind of had him pegged in the sense that it's like okay this guy isn't like the leader he's yeah. not like going to be someone who's going to like probably, the right you know, hand slap bam down but like the fact that he even just molly whopped ran who you know who we just saw kill a train load of people with blinking his eyes and flicking his fingers you know it was saying yeah. something and yeah. for someone Except that I, you know that i also thought was going to be like oh some weird like one-off thug mm-hmm. and it's like bro you got to be careful like every Person, I said this in the last discussion, but kind of, and I repeat what I said, but it kind of in an inverted sense. You know, it was like everyone has a story to tell type thing, where it's like, oh, everyone has their dreams and stuff. Also, don't underestimate everyone because everyone has a story to tell. And like this guy, for looking weird and whatever, he's has still gone through a lot of stuff and is really strong to show for it. At least where we are in the story right now. So it's going to be interesting to see where these characters line up. Like the further we go up, you know, and the and the higher we go the more that I'm probably going to be cemented in that frame of thinking where it's like every single character you see, like keep your eyes open unless they don't even have a face drawn on them. And even then, yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? Be careful yeah. type thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think
2: Dan was definitely one of those characters for me. We met him and I was like, look at this tracksuit wearing average ass nigga. Like we're going <laughs> to, he's dude's going to say hi to us three times, get slapped in the face and then like, bye. He's going to be yawn or dead. And we had the moment where like, my heart got hit, and I'm like, damn, Dan, out here with the <laughs> fucking, you know, coons." like, oh, we got to give up. And Dan's like, bro, we can be better than Rachel. I'm like, this nigga, bro. <laughs> like, And I'm like, yeah, and, and it, that moment hit so much harder because I'm like, yo, this is the dude I was spitting on, yeah. like, a couple chapters ago, who I was like, this is going to be a nobody. And it's like, yeah, these characters who all come out here, it's like, yo, Dan's been through some shit. Muntari's been through some shit. Like, you know, mm-hmm. Akka has been through some shit. Yeah, everybody has trials and tribulations that they've overcome and and it's nice to see those things clash in a more complex way than good guy bad guy sure so let's talk about akka uh
0: real quick here Oof. um <laughs> who's not what i expected <laughs> in any way shape or form so there's that i mean nothing you know that's cool um but is a giant <laughs> is a literal giant um who prefers to wear lipstick so that's cool um yeah, I, I I don't know. I have no words. Akka is a very interesting character. And I have to say, I really like Akka a lot, though. Akka Williams, uh, as it were, especially when he whips Boro into the wall. I mean, we could get to that, but yeah, like yeah, yeah. whips him through the Guardian. Because it's like, yeah, you're a giant. You know what yeah, I mean? And yeah, it's yeah. like, I have to say, I'm actually glad that it sounds ironic that. A gi- there has been a giant now in this story that has not immediately gotten bitch slapped to the ground. Cause I feel like every single time we're led to see like some giant figure, oh, they always they, get yeah, mollywhopped by someone like Rand or uh, a Sung. When mm-hmm. those two big dudes, you just like, pff, pff, you know what I mean? Like squishes them. And I'm like, all right. Like, I feel like the size thing, you know, but like, this is the first time where it's like, no, I'm big and I know how to use it. And like, yeah, I'll yeah, mess yeah, you yeah. up and you know, hate to break it to you. Like, you know, if we're our skill level's the same, but I am literally 50 times the size of you, like, the odds are in my favor, bro. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, Rand was molly whopping them because their skill was pfft there, you know? Mm-hmm, and it, and mm-hmm. it was all show, but it's like, that's a scary dude, you know, for most people. And I can see why he has this, like, cult following of people around him. <laughs> I, you know, I also like where he... um blasted down the door I called it because oh, yeah, I'm like yeah. oh oh like how are they going to get the door what is that I'm like he's probably just punching it because he's huge and like lo and behold bam just like blast the door open yeah, I'm yeah, like yes thank you here, do bro. giant things like you're a giant <laughs> <laughs> you're a giant dude there you know is. no That's one's the quote like, of the episode no one's bro no, no just one's, do giant <laughs> things no one's living up <laughs> to their potential here as a ginormous being like you can do so much when you are that giant like use it bro oh, it's, no, crazy. it's crazy it's crazy
2: no I I definitely agree. I, I do love Akka again, because when you meet these characters, um, you know, there, there's some for me again, I mentioned it a little bit in the last uh, thing we were talking about, but it's like, I'm so done and played out with the like, I look big and scary or I look gross and evil. So that's what I am gross. That's, that's where my character goes, where it's like you meet these guys and they're like, and you know, ran and uh, who is it, Dan and I think Novik, right? Are the ones that they like, go upstairs, like, yo, let's, uh, let's go say hi to the competition, whatever. And they get upstairs and they're like, yo, I hear you guys are all chumps. And, you know, if they were evil, right, or whatever, it's like, kill like, the intruder. They, they're like, bro, what are you trying to, like, <laughs> you just not, bro? Because, like, I'm going to be real. I could slap you in the face and <laughs> knock you out. I'm not going to because, like, I got sense on me. But, like, just stop. Like, And it's like, you immediately get warmed up to the idea that Montari and, and by extension, uh, Aka... Um, again, are not as simple as, like, bad dudes to be bad. That they're, like, these characters who have been through some shit. And, you know, Akka specifically strikes me as somebody who has the advantage, let's just say, of maybe being able to be a little more abrasive in what he wants (laughs) or how he looks because who's going to tell him he looks stupid? Who's going (laughs) to tell him, like, you know, that was dumb or you're not good enough to do this thing because he would just sit on you and kill you? So, but...
0: Dude, he could kiss you
2: and put you into a coma. Like, dead like, like, <laughs> ass, bro. And it's like, but with that, yeah. you know, comes sense. Comes, You know, these characters are like, look, I, I again, another great moment for me that I was so like, oh, thank God, was when um, uh, Yura bounces out, right, of the, the thing, and they all come down, they knock around. Now, we could have, SIU could have done the very, you know, played out thing of like, what? Who are you? What's going on? I'm I'm fighting him. Wait, you know him? Alright, then everybody fight. And yeah. everybody just goes at it, but they're like, Alright, alright, wait. What <laughs> the fuck is going on here? She tricked you guys to oh, they, okay, all right, let's 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 meld truce. It's like, you know, it's like, yeah. yes, thank you, because that like <laughs> us, a person with sense would do that, yeah. right? And it's like, you guys can be big and scary and whatever, but it's like, again, you guys are people first, and whether you are Muntari, who, you know, looks like he was dipped in some pool of something that wasn't water for too long, <laughs> or you're Akka, and you just were born with jeans, <laughs> um, you know, you're a person first and a giant second, and it's like, you know, I love the giant stuff, but I love also that it's like there's a human in in the giant. Sure, sure,
0: Gavin.
1: What do you think about Akka? So for me, I'm more interested on. He's um, like hot.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> would be if he just worked on his leg game a little bit more. I would have- <laughs> 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 wow. No, but I'm more interested on um, Aka and Boro's backstory that they have because mm-hmm. it was alluded to, obviously, that in, they knew each other from way back when when they were on the Hell Train and then they ran into Fug and all that other stuff that really they were one of the only survivors that were, like, left to five in total. So we know that they have a lot of history and that they were, like, teammates at one point. Mm-hmm. And obviously, after the events that ensued on the Hell Train caused them to go their other ways because they really had to – Take a look in the mirror and reflect uh, reflect on light or on life because they I don't I want I just want to know what they went through and who else is on that train who they've been alluding to as being I think it was the other Slayer nominee right yes. or something yes. like that yes. that is like I just want to get there get their backstory and then just like keep on rolling because I don't know he obviously Akka as a person has a more warming personality than what his image like bestows on people he's willing to talk with other people come like have a make normal decisions like he seems pretty grounded like Boro in the fact that they're they can actually analyze a situation and not just jump with their emotions to the next thing so for me i like that with the character i like him and um Boro, just the way that you know they talk and they have like that little like the bickering which turns into yeah. like him literally just Chucking them across <laughs> the room and like and that's the thing. Like you know they have a good relationship and it's like one of those old married couples that yeah. I just want to see it like in fruition. Yeah. and like have just like I just want to watch them get old together. Sure. That's yeah. it. That's all that's, that's all all I definitely want. what like, it is where it's happy. like
2: at the end of the day, I you know, Boro and uh Aka have clearly been through some shit, but it's like they were once teammates and mm-hmm. they're not so immature to be like, Well, we're not working together, so I'm not gonna talk to you. And if you look at me, you know, it's like they're yeah. they're adults, you know, yeah. so they're like, Look. Fuck it. Like, we got we to do this. Let's just do it, you know? And it's like, it's funny to think that, like, with that moment of reunion, bam, where it's like, all right, I'm going to guide you straight through the, you know, the uh, the spear or whatever, and then we're going to go right through him. Because, you know, and it's like, oh, we need the guy to make sure this plan goes exactly. Otherwise, we're not going to get to the other side. And it's like, oh, Boro's here. how do he you get here? I just, Aka threw me. <laughs> yeah, like, like, with what? His hands. And you know the best part is that when
1: Aka threw him, his goal was not to get him to the other side. It was definitely <laughs> to just throw him at that guardian and hope he just got one shot bam. And he just so happened to fly over him and was just like safe, like in the green zone. That yeah, is like man, the best man. part about it.
0: That's some scary stuff. Yeah. Like you just, just like, oh, you're my baseball. Yeah. Like, hey, dude, the major league pitchers are throwing yeah. like 90 miles an hour, which means yeah. it's like if we're doing the equivalent here, this guy's clocking yeah. at least 70 miles an hour that he's throwing you. Like you go Fuck. splat. It's crazy. You go splat. <laughs> Wild character. And I feel like they could just make a spin-off of like almost any character in this tower. Like you were saying, I, I want to know their backstory. Oh, yeah. I think that's such a strength of this is that every character, it's like, let's get a backstory in them, right? Yeah. But anyway, moving on, we had Bora himself and specifically how he just has the direct counter to anyone who holds a weapon, which is a pretty useful skill to have considering now, especially where we are, the, the inclusion of items is so much more prevalent. Right. and yeah. where we weren't necessarily there in the first season, like we were with the black March and all that kind of stuff, but we didn't even understand them. Right. It was just like, okay, these are like, right. these of weapons they're super strong, but it was like, now it's like, Oh, I have a suitcase that can teleport me once per day, or I have the bong bong and I could fly and drop people from the sky or, you know, whatever. So there are more people and menacing people that that weapon gives a huge upgrade to that. Like Correct. normally Boro was to fight this dude without his sacred sword, Boral probably would have molly this guy in five seconds, but it's like, you know, that's a huge enhancement to them. Even Bam himself has to rely on the thorns power at points. Um, even round makes a, a comment about it mm-hmm. in order to defeat said opponents. So like, if you don't have these items, it's like upgrading your arsenal, you know, really gives me those video game vibes, but it's like, yeah, it, it, a it's really cool. But B, you know, that's my point. So, Boro being able to essentially counter anyone with a weapon or at least like handheld from what we've seen at the moment is a pretty useful skill to have considering he is now the just direct counter to your really busted item, right? So now it's like, no, 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 your items are relevant. You have to kind of just fight me as you were. So I hope you haven't been relying on that thing too much, (laughs) right? So it's pretty cool. Uh, Just like people that can block, you know, Bam's Shinsu control. Right, so now right. Bam is a little more equipped because he's gotten all of these. I mean, he has the ability to just get smacked in the face and then immediately know your whole fighting style. So like, that's pretty good. But cool. like beyond that, you know, at first when he was even Violl, mm. he didn't really have great hand to hand combat in you know in relative terms compared to a lot of the other characters. Right. Yeah, so yeah. when he fought uh, uh, Reflejo, and he's like, "Oh, you can't use Shinsu on me." It's like uh what do we do now? yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know what exactly. i mean it's it like, like you know looking at his
2: arsenal of one or two things and he's like wow shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: that's relevant. it's like you put your cool. ground <laughs> your ground type and pokemon against the guy that flies and all he knows is earthquake and it's like we're gonna lose this eventually like we're we're, we're going <laughs> or downhill. when you see
2: that that pokemon has is Sorry. <laughs> multi-typed and yeah. you're like oh shit <laughs> <laughs> it's like <laughs> i only brought charmander because yeah, i kind of thought i could right? just fire this shit very relevant so yeah, yeah. what do
0: we think about this scene in particular and boros you know huge advantage of being able to counter weapon users.
2: Uh, Oh. So, uh, one, I see why people like Boro uh, now, at least a little bit more. Um, He's pretty boss. And I think (laughs) that, like, this ability of his, while it's, it's in a, in, so, like, Boro has the whole, up until now, we've had this idea established with exactly how good, or how rare and how good of an advantage one has by having either an ignition weapon or a, uh, I think you're refers to it as a C-class item that this briefcase yeah, is, or a C-level item. Yeah, um, you know, and like you were saying, these items give pe- somebody who, to be honest, wherever their skill set is at before that item is irrelevant. Because even when we think about um, the fight between Endorosi and Mad Dog, Mad Dog had the, I'm um, forgetting the name now, but the black, or the the red something. I oh, literally uh, can't it's not,
1: not tsunami Not Toonami, Su... Yeah, there was, uh, the, there was the piercing heavenly mirror, which was the knife we yes, and then yes. there was the other reward, which um, is what Mad
2: Dog got. Um, but either way, my, yeah, my point stands go. is that without that, that enhancement, Mad Dog probably would not have been able to fight Enderossi for as long as he did. Mm. I mean, that was the whole deal, right? It made him so that he was durable enough to take any of Enderossi's punches or blows. Um, so these items in Tower of God are a very big deal, right? They literally can take somebody who is in no way, shape, or form fit to fight somebody and actually may, maybe get them a W, um, so it's it was great seeing this moment where this guy is is talking up his sword, and he's like, this is like the what does he call it? Uh, he's like, this sword chose me.' Like its name is Kristina, it, like yeah. its will is decided, you know, all that it like had, like a
0: monster. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. That's yeah, dragon.
2: right, it, and and all this stuff. And Bora's like, that's cute. Um, it is still a sword, though, at the end of the day. <laughs> um, so I am gonna fuck you up, like, because magical sword or, or regular sword, if it's a sword, I can work like, with it. And yeah. so it one, it's cool just knowing that this is an ability now that he has, where it's like, dude, if you have a weapon, I don't care how mystical or magical it is. Like, if that thing goes shink shink, like, <laughs> I could fuck you up with it. And two, um. You know, I I would wager to guess, you know, again, we don't have a whole lot of Boro's backstory, um, that this ability has probably earned him a little bit of reputation, whether it's, you know, on this floor, whether it's through the hell train. um, Because we see when we first meet him, his first fight is with that lizard dude who's walking around the train talking all kinds of mad shit, collecting tickets, thinks he's hot. um, And before that man gets a blow on Boro, Boro has him in two separate pieces. (laughs) And so now thinking back to that, it's like, Oh dude, there was literally no way that lizard thing ever was gonna win that mm-hmm, fight, bro. Mm-hmm. As soon as he pulled out that sword, he lost. Yeah. And so it's it's interesting to see Boro use this technique, but it's also interesting that somebody like Boro has this technique because Boro is not a coon. He's not uh, somebody, he reminds me very much of like a weird mix between like Bam and Hots where he does seem to, like he's not out here using this ability where he's like, I'm gonna fuck everybody up and I'm gonna be the master of, of like, you know, weapons. He's like, you know, again, he's a mature like man. He's a grown, he's like, look kid, enough of this shit with like, you got a monster in this thing, this is done. We're gonna have to end this here now. And even when this fight ends, you know, he's like, oh you've killed me. I'm going to die. And he's like, you're not dead. You just can't move for a while. Relax. You know and It's like, he's got this like age on him and he's got this thing about him where he's like, I'm not out here trying to be like the next hot thing. I'm just like, I'm just being me. And I don't know. There's something I, something very cool about it.
0: I, I have to say one thing we brought up in the live stream, and this is really all I'll say to him. And if Gavin, you have anything, um, I love how conscious he is of his surroundings and just how attentive he is to literally every yeah. minor detail. Man like someone a beat. drops a bead of sweat off of their forehead and he's like, something's off about that dude. You know, like he just understands and that is a, is a character trait that I really love in whether it's a protagonist or just characters in general to be able to observe their environment on just that. So like a molecular level, you know, it's like, okay, this happened, that means this or like but based off your body language, I know something's wrong. That's a really cool quality to have and incredibly useful. And especially like, you know, in this world where you know you could be killed at a moment's notice over the smallest thing. Like yeah. I would have like I'd have to say that, you know, for at least me reading this, I have to imagine that this is a skill that his has probably got him out of, you know, innumerable situations oh, you know and sure. led him to uh, the other side of victory but mm-hmm. gavin i don't know if you had anything
1: honestly i don't think there's anything i can even say like, you guys <laughs> like literally covered all the bases every any little it's thing tough. that i
0: had on the back burner it's gone. tough with three of us sometimes Because uh, yeah. like one person will say it's like yeah i was gonna say yeah. that it only yeah, works if like that. we disagree because uh. yeah, yeah. if we agree <laughs> by the
2: time two people talk the other one's like what well, you said <laughs> yeah right for real
0: anyway moving on um so now we have the fight with bam and um daniel, daniel. Um, and we find out that Daniel is essentially a necromancer, which is pretty cool, I guess. Um, <laughs> cool <yeah>. story, bro. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and very strong. Uh, and we find out that Bam, we are it's solidified that Bam literally only has to be hit by a move for him to immediately develop a muscle memory of how to perform that exact move, which is interesting because it's not even like... Well, I'm sure he does this too, where it's like, I can watch said move and then mimic it, but literally it's like, no, 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 no. hit me with the move. Yeah, that's what I and think And then it, it registers. I think it's like. Which is even crazier to me.
2: Instead of like calling it like memory training. Yeah. You know, it's like impact training. Yeah. Like once his body is hit with a blow, it like memorizes how it got hit that way. And it's like, oh, okay, you just got to do that. Like, sure. you know what I mean? It's like this weird, I think like ultra instinct Goku, yeah. you know, where it's like something about, I don't know if it's Bams, you know, cause he's an irregular or whatever the fuck. Right. Um has the ability to, like, his body, like, just memorizes and can mimic things that happen to him, sure. you know? And so, for better or worse, and it really hasn't proven to be a worse thing um, so far in his in his run here, um, it gets him in some pretty – or puts him in, pr- in really good situations. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Gavin,
1: thoughts? Yeah, no, it's it's cool because he's, like, the ultimate counter-defense. Like, no matter what you hit him with, like, you need to have so many different trump cards to be able to use in, like – procession to actually take Bam down because he, it's just, like, in the middle of one fight, you can hit him four different times, and you immediately can't use that same move over again. Unless it's that OP to the matter that it's just gonna literally smack him around, or it's, like, an item that he physically can't, like, attain. Like anything hand to hand or like close quarters if you're not trying to snipe them from far away is almost irrelevant because you're going to hit them and you're never going to land it again and unless you're able to swap it up on the fly which apparently he is now like the kung fu master because even <laughs> then he knows he blends every single form of fighting styles into one and i'm like all right hand uh, to hand is just out of the picture at this point like yeah. you 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 need a spear bearer that's just like whipping spears at him and like he's just running around in circles all day because yeah. like you like one like hand hand combat i just i don't see which anybody was his him,
0: biggest which is, deficiency Yeah. Like I was just stating before. So it's like now that we've now reverse engineered that to be one of your strengths, Bam is, you know, a very formidable foe right now. He's got one of the most busted, if not the most busted item in the entire tower, as Mm -hmm. far as we've seen. He is incredible Shinsu control. He can control like five bangs at the same time. And now he's Bruce Lee. So it's like, (laughs) what the hell, dude? (laughs) Where's this guy? Like, where does this guy go wrong? Like, what's his weakness now? It's Rachel. Rachel's his weakness. Like, that's it. It's his mental, it's his psyche. And I love. How Bam, like I was saying, I love Bam's adaptability during a fight and how he can mm-hmm. understand the environment and kind of do all those things. But I love kind of, you know, along the same line of that is that Bam evolves throughout mm-hmm. the fight. And I love characters that literally are able to m- manipulate their, fa- their fighting style in order to, you know, counteract their opponent in said scenario, and, like, Bam just is the literal definition of that, which is awesome. That yeah. is just, like, I, holy crap.
2: I love that it's it's something that, like, doesn't come out of fucking left field, yeah. right? Like, this was alluded to way back when Quant was like, yo, I need you – there's a move that, like, you could use to save uh, Rachel in this moment right now. I'm going to do it. Like, you're going to have three seconds. Like, I don't expect you to be able to do it, but, like, just mimic it the best and immediately picks it up and does it not yeah. only – in that moment to sort of stall Ho, but again on Quant when the fight between him and Endorosi happened. Mm -hmm. And so, like, from that moment, you're, like, you know, you have the moment where Quant thinks about it, but it's, like, that reflection of, like, copy that, like, a little too good. You only saw that once. Like, that was kind of crazy. And so, but again, even between that moment and this moment, it is shown and alluded to that, like, Bam has, when he learns the piercing butterfly technique from Jin after only seeing him do it on the thing once. Um, I love it when, you know, it sounds so simple, but when a writer, like, remembers the theories and rules that they sure, set yeah. on precedent day one in their stories and follow through with that where it's like you know to daniel he's like what the fuck did this dude just do that after seeing me do it once and but like to us it's like oh, i see what you're doing bam! Yeah. Yeah. like you're bringing that back
1: and, and not only that it's cool when you think back to again when you brought up blitz and he was able to replicate that move you know where we're at now d class regulars that like being able to use that reverse like Uh, what is it reverse flow control or whatever like even then not any d-class regulars are supposed to be able to do that other than like moonlight sonata whatever his name was who came (laughs) out of nowhere and did i don't even remember it was like moon something and he put it and remember he did it on ran and ran's like yo how is anybody really supposed to do this like that's it's a powerful move and you got bam back in day one in east bumble and he just pulled it out like literally just learning it on the spot and like in that moment when it was like quant when he was literally just like how is this even possible and like it really just drives home to where you know how much of a prodigy bam is from way back when being able to pull off that move where at this point now he's op broken and even the people around him still can't even really have a comprehension of it unless they're really experienced so like it just kind of like draws back to how much of a powerhouse bam was way back when and how like just how much potential he has and it's awesome just to see it finally grow.
0: I love how he uses like this almost drunken monkey style too, <laughs> mm-hmm. where it's like he just incorporates everything drunken and the monkey. guy's like, I don't even know where he's attacking from and why. Yeah, like yeah. this makes no sense. And oh yeah, that you was you know, yeah. Like he's able to not only mimic them, but then meld them into his own specific style, which no one has ever done before because the style didn't exist before yeah, Bam yeah, yeah. made it. So talk about catching someone off you know, from surprise with surprise, that is the definition. Right. Yeah, so it's yeah, like, yeah. nobody knows how to handle that. How are you going to defend against something that you don't even understand? Yeah. Right. You know, it's no, like, definitely. it's incredible. I and think there's,
2: there's, there's yeah. one thing where, uh, Daniel points out where he's like, um, he starts, you know, so Bam, I, I, what I like about these couple of chapters is I think it gave us much more insight into how Bam fights and not necessarily, like, the techniques he uses and stuff because we saw some new ones, you know, um, but we more or less know what he has at his disposal. I think what was cool here to see is, like, his mental uh, state when he's fighting, how he mm-hmm. fights. Like, Bam is not somebody that just comes at you with, like, the strongest or hardest hit he can possibly do day one, right? He usually, we see this even when he was going with Yura, um... Test the waters, right? He'll come at you with, like, a pretty basic, pretty standard thing he can do and sort of to see where this person's at. And then as the fight progresses, he starts mixing it up and getting into a little bit crazier combos and throwing these, like, random, you know, what-ifs at you. Um, But I do like that, how in this fight we see that not only has Bam, you know, utilized his his copy ability, but of all the martial arts styles he's learned he's melded them into different styles. And even if it's for nothing else other than throwing off his opponents, right? Because Daniel's not so much surprised at the fact that he knows these martial arts styles, but that the fact that he can't read them because his stances aren't the typical stances of said move or the way that he attacks, even if it looks exactly the same, doesn't hit the same way, You know what I mean? And so like, it's this like profound way that Bam has like, you know, revolutionized how to fight in the tower that like always throws his opponents off guard. Cause they're like, I don't, I don't even know what he's doing. He's just wait he's, he's coming at. it must have got a high school. What's his name? Um I don't the dude with the with the um who fought uh wow, I'm forget all the niggas names, bro. 100%. I was like the dude who fought whatever. The one fight where um Ilpayo. Yeah, yeah. In his very first where he's fight like when you slapping Yeah. Him he's where he's just nigga coming at you with hands, bro. <laughs> you are like, "I don't know what you're doing." You know, like that's in a much more sophisticated way, but like what bam feels like, I imagine, to other enemies, where it's like, "Ah, he just kicked me, and now he's, like, swinging his his head at me, and I don't know what to do. (laughs) Yeah, no,
0: it's crazy, and, like, I feel like now in hand-to-hand combat, like, the only people that are really gonna have a leg against Bam are either A, people that are just so much overwhelmingly more powerful than him, or B, people that are able to throw Bam off, because it's like, oh, this is a move I've never seen before, because we know that once you put that chip in, Bam's like, saved, done, saved to the hard drive, like, you're never getting that one on me again, like, literally never, so you gotta hope that your surprise attack, that he wasn't ready for, He didn't save into his hard drive really gets him yeah. which he has plot armor so it's not going to so like <laughs> you know it's crazy as he goes up the tower though you know there's going to be new styles and all that kind of stuff and i don't know but it's really cool yeah. i think real quick because we kind of bam's awesome growth has kind of over uh, overshadowed daniel, daniel <laughs> yeah. and the yeah. fact that he literally uses people's souls to fight which is also That's pretty, pretty dope awesome. <laughs> so i mean like not too much for me to say on this one it's just you know because i kind of uh i think we kind of called that in the stream when he had said yeah when he's like this one uses three people You know what I mean? This one uses twenty four You know what I mean? It's like all right, he clearly like sucks the life out of people, whether it's their soul or whatever, and then uses them for his attacks, you know. But he's also able to utilize them to be able to move on their own. Like his own Shinsu blasts are able to kinda like have a literal face to them and mind of their own and kind of easy be able to manipulate those to move in such a way that you can't dodge them and that you have to now fight off these, you know, these theoretical zombies, right, just in a different form. So that's pretty interesting, um, <laughs> you know. So, I mean, I don't know. That's really all I have to say on that. But, um, yeah. you and know, he's he's see where it goes.
2: Uh, Daniel's pretty cool. I, I think what interests me the most about him, actually, um, I, I think this actually might be the next pan it, or picture, if I'm not mistaken, where Maybe. he, uh, with the remote? No. No. No, mm-hmm. there's only one more. Oh, um, okay. Uh, but I guess then real quick, the moment he has where he trolls his team, with the remote and he, and they're all like, I don't know oh, what yeah, the fuck we're going to do. And he's like, it's like, just kidding. <laughs> um, I actually really liked because I think again, as cool as these characters can be when they're in a scrap or in a fight, um, doesn't do it as much for me as when like we get to, when we get to talk to them, when we get to see like where their heads at, what kind of person they are. And the fact to, that to me, Dan is quite literally somebody who likes just living in chaos and kind of just fucks and trolls with people just to do it um, is pretty cool. I think especially that scene, because the only thing that you get established knowing in like going into that fight is Dan likes to lie to people. That's it. That's all. That's all. It's the only thing that's confirmed. And then we get into this fight where it's, they're going back and forth. Dan seems pretty good to be able to block these attacks and stuff. And it's like, all right, this is pretty cool. I wonder how this fight's going to end, but it's kind of weird that like that was mentioned before the fight. Like what does lying have to do with the fight? Come to find out, though, that's the, whole per- that's the whole reason this fight's happening, right? Because this whole fight is a lie. Everything Dan's doing, even, I think, personally, the fact that Rachel's whole team getting onto the hell train, all of that, I think, is a lie. I think the only thing that this whole mission is to get Rachel and Yuraha on the train, everyone else be damned. I think because he has this moment here where he's like, bam, even as strong as you are, you don't realize that, like, literally this whole thing was a front. This whole thing was a trap. We're all just working to make sure that none of you get to them at the top. And those people would be Rachel and Yura. And I don't even, I would even argue that really their objective is Yura. Cause I mean, nobody has specifically stated like, got to make sure Rachel's on there. They've all just kind of been like, Rachel, we're leaving. Let's go, yeah. you know? Um, so, but either way, regardless, they're not worried about if they make it on the train or not, or at least if they are, they don't seem to be. And if they are worried, and this is just a ploy by Dan lying to all of them, that further proves the point that this man kind of like thrives in chaos. And he, and he lives or, you know, he, um, he's a guy who lives in in this moment or, or gets a lot out of this idea of just fucking with people. And like, there's something about it, you know, however you feel about it, or especially like that moment where it's like, you know, Gavin and I, we brought this up during the stream where it's like, I like this. I liked that that moment, A, didn't end the way that you would expect it, where it's like, oh, somebody pulled a trump card and, and, you know, used some secret move or whatever, or whatever. Um, That it was like something that just came out of left field. And somebody in the chat said, they were like, you can never really predict Tower of God. Because every time you think you know something's going to happen or you think a character is going to behave this way, like something like that happens where he's got a remote and just turns off the enemy. Um, So I don't know. I liked it. And I, I think that Warmed me up a little bit more to Dan's character because, as much of a crazy psychopathic killer as I still definitely think he is, he's also just like kind of likes fucking with people. I don't know.
0: And how about his the most busted item in the entire tower, the regenerating churro? Yeah, that, yeah. A that needs item. to be, yeah. yeah. <laughs> S, I would even S argue. Nigga <laughs> never goes hungry. Yeah. <laughs> Ever. It's like, ah, yeah,
2: fight was tough. Good thing I got my churro.
0: Crazy, right? So the last one here we have, Isaiah, why don't you read this one off for us? This is going to be our last talking point of the uh,
2: So we have this last uh, question here, which says, now you see why Emily was so sought after. She can fuck with the guide's ability to see the future and apparently twist it. Hmm. Um, which is ch- crazy and definitely at least somewhat true. Um, I personally, up until this moment, kind of thought that that was sort of like Reunion's busted like ace in the hole, right? Is that she's like, it's like, what do we do? How do we get here? It's like, don't worry about it. Just follow me, you know? Um, and so it's nice to see, again, it's nice to see that challenge because I, I like seeing that, like, no matter how busted or, or, or stacked a character's abilities are, that they get confronted by something that they can't immediately just hop over. Um, so that's cool. But also the fact that it's Emily, because if you think about it, it kind of makes sense, right? I, at least as much as we know about guides and the way they work in the tower, is, like, for you, almost has this, like, literal, natural, like, organic, very, like, intuition-based ability to move through the tower, right? She knows how things are supposed to go, and she knows what events have to happen, and so all she's really doing is working to be in the right place at the right time to make sure things work out the way they do, to make sure that fate happens. It's interesting now that Emily, this thing that used to be living, that is now 100% artificial or, or, you know, uh, an item, you know, whatever, um, can distort that, right? Because there's nothing... Any, at least anymore organic about Emily. There's nothing natural about Emily. She's a literal piece of technology. She's a machine. She's something artificial that Ryun can't read. Ryun can't figure out what she's saying or why she's saying it. And so therefore what it's doing is all these, all these lines and all these, these paths that Ryun can see as a guide where she's like, all right, we just have to go this way and this happens. Em- Emily is putting like walls, right? She's blocking off every path until every time Ryun hits a, a new path there's another wall. And she even has a moment. She's like, I don't understand why all of these paths that I'm seeing are being distorted. None of this makes any sense. And then, uh, you know, Rachel's cocky bitch friend (laughs) with the wings, um, is kind of like, don't you get it? Like, that's the whole point of what Emily can do. She's such a strong weapon and tool to have that she can literally even fuck with guys of the towers. Like their one ability, the one thing that like makes them what they are, um, effectively she blinds them. And so I, I think it's, it's very interesting. One that we've, that we essentially have a weapon like that now that exists in the tower. Um, and two, that it is utilized in the way that it is, right? Because it now calls into question where it's like, all right, un- effectively, at least in my mind, until we get Rachel's team separated from Emily, like we are always going to be at an inherent disadvantage, right? Because again, Emily does not just fuck with like re it's not like a one-on-one thing. They've been using Emily to literally fuck with every single person involved in this story since they got her. Like they literally got that thing and they're like, putting this bitch to work, <laughs> send out mass texts, you know? And it's like, so I'm, I, I think that's right. This is literally one of the strong, if not one of the strongest weapons, at least that we've seen in the tower so far. And I think it's, I'm very curious to see how we're going to counteract this. If it's going to be a thing of like, we're just straight going to have to separate them from Emily. Cause she's too, she's too much. Or if there is a way where even if it's temporary or whatever, uh, reunion and or company can be, uh, you know, find a way to to get around her.
0: Yeah, I think hmm. it is literally the strongest weapon. Uh, I would even argue, at least now where we are, like That's what it's what I mean. been yeah, doing now. Yeah, we haven't now, seen every weapon more than the thorn w- of what in we've a seen. Sense, like in, in a way, because I think again, like the thorn in like in a vacuum, like okay, the thorn is going to murder you, right? <laughs> like like straight up, like in a one on one fight. Like I understand that, but I'm saying like in terms of tower changing macro relevancy, play. yeah, macro play. <laughs> Emily literally can distort and manipulate the minds of everyone she comes in contact with, even the guides. Yeah, right, like she yeah. could even make their their guiding fuzzy, and yep, so yep, like yep. that yep. is a power that is frightening. Right, like that is a dude. frightening. Everything power. that
2: happened in like the last thirty chapters was because of Emily. Yeah, everything
0: really scary because it's like really. bam, you run into him. It's like I'm dead. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it's like Emily's like literally like that she yeah, just yeah, yeah. sick well, a mob we, on you at any given moment or like whatever. We brought whatever, this up right? a while
2: ago, but it's like. You know, the thorn is great because it's a tool of literal great power. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dude's gone. Um, but in order for the thing that we might need to change the tower might arguably not be a weapon of power in yeah. the in the traditional sense. It might we might need a different kind of weapon. And so when we were initially met Emily and found out what this was, we were like, We might need like the ta- in order for the tower to change, might require like a different kind of weapon, a weapon of knowledge instead of one over power. And now that Emily's sorta of in the full swing of her, you know, her shtick here, like that's it, bro. That that thing in the right hands would literally change this entire tower. Yeah. Gavin, what do mm. you think?
1: So my thought is how they're eventually going to relinquish Emily because in my eyes, obviously, there has to reach a point in the story where Bam and team are going to have to confront Rachel. So obviously, you'd have to get the elephant out of the room, which is Emily, out of the equation more or less because until she's gone, they're untouchable. Like That's pretty much what they're alluding to. But I think what's going to happen in – well, I'm more curious with Rachel's team is if there's going to be almost like inner turmoil because obviously she's creating these people and surrounding herself around others who are strong, but she knows that she can manipulate to get to her own goals. And I feel like it's really going to backfire on her in the long run because the problem with that is you have now all of these bad people who you are manipulating, and when they find out that they're being manipulated, they are going to come after you. So I feel like in a sense – Rachel's going to dig herself in a hole that it's going to be a little bit too deep for her to actually get out of. And then with that, you know, some of the followers that she has, you know, strung along this whole time it's going to turn against her and then it's going to be a real struggle on like maybe they're going to leverage Emily on her and you know be like oh well you know Casano and me we're dipping we're doing this this isn't and that and I I want to just see like the rug get pulled out from under her and then just everything fall apart that ensues and for me I feel like it almost has to start with Emily because until she's gone there's like a weird sense of her being untouchable at this moment because they just have so much control and manipulation at the tower they're literally manipulating the test administrators to where they're, they're literally taking over the test and running it how. However, they want to. And it's like with that much power, you are almost untouchable in a sense. And it's like until you're able to like come out with the virus or something that maybe counteracts Emily or like maybe get Emily sentient on her own again through like a weird backdoor process and like shut it down. I don't know. I'm really curious on how they tackle Emily as a whole. What ensues and just how like it integrates with the rest of the rest of the story, but it's definitely gonna be interesting. 100%. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, yeah. I, I go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I
2: was. I what well, what I think something I think is so interesting about Emily is that I don't really even think this is a problem. You know what I mean in terms of the story and the plot, where it's like, all right, we've written this like amazing knowledge based weapon into the story here. How do we kill it? Because <laughs> like now it's too good. Um, where I think really all you have to you don't have to get rid of Emily. You have to just separate Emily. From Rachel, right? Because we, when we see oh, yeah. the last, uh, was the last test? Yeah, or l- not the last test, but with, you know, the fight with Bam and Ruffalo Joe and Derosi and, De Rossi and um, Mad Dog, like, they, Reune and Kuhn and company, used Emily effectively to be able to communicate and pull that whole operation together and save mm-hmm. all their friends, right? Emily is not inherently a weapon of evil. It just depends on who, Emily is also non-sentient, right? So it's whoever's hand she's in, that's the you know, that's the way she's going to operate or work towards. So I uh, am curious to see how, because I I personally, and not saying this is what you were saying, but Mm -hmm. I would hate to see them be like, all right, (sighs) Emily's gone now. Like, you know, this because I think that that's such a, that's such a crazy good tool to have in the story when you need it. That's like, I'm more curious to see, when Rachel loses this crutch or this leg up, right? Because right now, yes, because she has it or her team has it or whatever, they've quite literally been writing the script as far as I'm concerned. Um, hmm. So I'm curious to see if there's a moment or how we can get Rachel, because once Rachel no longer has that to lean on, now she's in the point where like, if somebody she's working with does find out she's fucked, she can't rely on Emily to get her out of the situation. Like she she's now on her own. Yeah,
1: yeah and I, I just want to throw a thing. So that is true. The only problem with what you said is the fact that even if Emily gets taken out of Rachel's hands and is put into somebody else's hands, all that is going to happen is a cycle on just using her for what other people's needs are. And, you know, if taken out of Rachel's hands, unless it's in Bam's hands or people who you can trust with that power, i.e. handling Emily, just her mere existence in the fact that if anybody was to take her, essentially they can literally shake the tower and the people who live in it. It is, she is so much of just like this crazy power now that's instilled that I almost feel like she's on a plane where moving forward in the story it's almost impossible or impossible to keep her existence for the longevity of it because of just how much of a fickle role that she like just how much power that she has individually that can change so much of the tower itself and the people who live in it that like it's not enough to say, like, oh, she just needs to be in the hands of somebody who's good. Because, obviously, they'll use her for her actual purpose, which, in a perfect world, would be awesome. But we're also talking about the Tower of God, where everything is literally fucked. So, like, you know, I feel like she just has to almost disappear, in a sense. Like, I don't want her to, but, like, for it to almost make sense in the world that they live in, it's too much of a danger to have her living and surviving, I guess, is yeah. the only thing that so I can I got say. a hot
0: take. Okay. Um... <laughs> I can't stand Emily anymore, okay. I'm not going to lie, and um, I hope that she gets, like, out of this story soon, because I'm not going to lie, at first, it was like, okay, this is insane, I mean, it's still insane, but when we first saw her, it was like, whoa, this crazy new thing is being incorporated, where mm-hmm. it's like, there's this, you know, like, AI being, where it's like, okay, if somebody hacks it, we can use the, utilize this power, and Rachel's doing it. But like the more Emily is on, the more irritated I get because I feel like Emily literally is this story sometimes um, in the sense that she literally pulls all of the strings in a sense, like at the very top of things. It's like, or at least the reason that everyone is culminated, everyone's getting together is because of something directly through Emily. And it's like bothering me because it's like, kind of taking the sense of agency from some of the characters. Um, like, even for, like, and it's like they're being guided by her rather than thinking of, like, a lot of, like, being able to really show their stuff and, like, how capable they are on their own. And that's not to say they aren't capable, but I would like to see them have to go through that struggle instead of, like, having Google to solve, like, You know what I mean? Like, a lot of the problems you have. Um, I also don't think that it would work if she goes in the hands of good people because I think she's just quite literally too powerful. I literally think the good guys can't lose. Like, it is she's so powerful dude like it's insane i couldn't picture the good guys having her and losing in any scenario because i feel like she has to be in the hands of somebody wrong in order to make it like we have to overcome this ridiculously powerful ai that's setting up all of these traps and pitfalls um because whenever the good guys have her to me it kind of it like it makes a little boring to me i don't like i don't like like even from the rip like when um when they were explaining her, I had my doubts where it was like, Dan had said to ran or something like that. Or so one of them, he's like, Oh yeah, this thing. It's like, it just says it's there. And I go and like, that's it. And I'm like, wait a minute. You know what I mean? I was like, that's kind of busted, but you know, like whatever we'll rock with it. And then like even Kuhn in the battle shop arc relies um, or the bat, the workshop arc relies on Emily in certain scenarios where it's like Kuhn could have figured something out. And Kuhn again, is incredibly like a genius. Like he figures figures all this shit out and like she's a supplement. She isn't the whole thing, but it was like, I don't know. I, I, don't, like, I don't like the idea of having this like AI to refer to where it's like, okay, how are we going to get out of this situation or whatever? I like her more in the evil sense, which she more is now, where it's like we have to overcome this because it's that powerful. Um, so, but at this point, my, my point in all this is saying that right now she's in the hands of the people that we hate most for the most part. And like, I would hate to see her now, now delivered into the hands of the good guys yet again, in a sense, even though she never technically was um, for them to be able to use that. Cause I think like, I don't know, man, I, I think she's like this. Oh, she's almost like a God. She's like this overarching being that it's like, okay, let me just like literally move these chess pieces to how I see fit. And like, to me, it's like, I don't, I don't, I hope we don't see that. I hope she doesn't, become a mainstay throughout this entire story because I'm not gonna lie at like after this arc or not maybe this arc is really long but like soon I'm like kind of getting tired of her presence in that in that scenario um but that's my hot take on it that's my opinion I
2: think um so I I think that that makes sense one um but I think it's I think it's interesting that as much of the game as Emily is driving here in terms of Rachel's team trying to get up to the tower uh, um Bam's team following them and Like, when we think about the tower, right, like, Emily, for all she can do, and, and, you know, now we're talking more, I guess, about, like, potential versus uh, actual, like, what's in front of us, but is really fucking with, like, this large group of people, right? She is not fucking with, like, King Jahat. She is not fucking with, like, the ten great families. So I do think that as as good of a weapon as Emily is, um, even Emily will reach her limits. Like, she's not, like... Rachel's squad, for let's just say for argument's sake, is not going to be able to take Emily all the way up the tower and just overthrow Jihad. Mm-hmm. Like, I do think Jihad and his 10 great family system that he has in place, that he's had in place for, like, literal decades or, you know, forever, um, is okay. going to be like, get the fuck out of here with that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. they're going to be able to snuff that shit That's out. Because I think they have, too, quite frankly, too much of a concrete system, um, and they're all just a little bit too much, too egotistical to sure. trust anybody but themselves. No, it makes sense. Um, but I do, again, I do understand what you're saying, and I do think that... Obviously, like, if the good guys get Emily, like, it's a little bit of a cop-out to just have her always be in their back pocket whenever shit goes wrong. Um, I definitely wouldn't, I wouldn't want Emily used in that sense, but I definitely don't want Emily to go away because, again, I do think in order for this story, at least in my personal, obviously the story's not done, and I don't know what Emily's role is, you know, where we're at, you know, as far as uh, the most recent chapter of the story, but I do think Emily, like, just off her definition— is, like, gonna have to play a pivotal role in how this tower, and how the story ends, and how, like, the tower changes as a result.
0: Yeah, we'll have to see. Anyway, folks, that's all of our thoughts that we have today. Again, thank you for all the beautiful suggestions from the beautiful people in our Discord. Make sure you guys are joining if you want to voice your opinion, you want us to talk about something specific so we can hear what you have to say. Make sure you guys are liking, subscribing, and hitting that notification bell, sharing with your friends and commenting your thoughts down below. What did you think of our discussion? What do you think of these chapters? And what are your thoughts on Tower of God as a whole? But until next time, folks, thank you so much for watching, and we will catch you on the flip. Peace. Later.
1: Memorize, blaze of the cool knives. Find me in the leaf of the cloud. Screaming out Ban Kai. We just some ghouls though. Who likes seeing parts fly?